chapter 10, Pastor Joe is still, uh, has a little bit of phlegm, so he's, again, we, we pray for this Sunday coming up. We have Communion Sunday coming up uh, this uh, Sunday morning. We have our 8 a.m. service will be, and then we will have our 10 a.m. service for those uh, online as well, live. So if you have your Bible, please turn to Proverbs chapter 10, and tonight we're going to cover verses 1 through 14. I entitled this message this evening, Our Worldview Shows Our Character. And what it is, is is our doctrine, what we believe forms our character. And here in verse 1, this is a psalm of Solomon. And it says here in verse 1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a is grief to his mother. So God's word, God's wisdom here always speaks the truth. For the application of wisdom causes delight for others. But foolishness always causes shame. You see, it's our nature to want to share when our children are excelling. We like to share when our children are excelling. But on the other hand, we tend to hold back things that are shameful. So here in Scripture, it's showing how foolishness causes grief in the family unit. And the word grief here speaks of a heaviness and a sorrow. This heaviness and this sorrow Uh, God knows the remedy. And we see this in Psalms chapter 119, verse 28. The psalmist himself experienced the same thing that you are probably going through tonight in your family. You see, first he gives us the diagnosis of what you're experiencing and that which is emotionally. And here the psalmist in Psalms 119, verse 28, he says... My soul melts with heaviness. And I'm sure you could experience that in the family unit. As your soul melts with heaviness. Then God goes through the word here because God knows what you're going through. He knows your experience. And he's using the psalmist's experience as a prescription for us to help us. In the second part of the verse in 28 in Psalms chapter 119, the prescription is... Strengthen me according to your word. So we need to be strengthened spiritually in the family unit according to God's word. The problem is heaviness and our hearts melt or our soul melts. But God wants to strengthen us in that according to his word. See, God will strengthen you according to his word. You have a heavy heart in that area. He knows. Get in the word. God says, get in the word. What you're experiencing, get in your word. And let him minister to you when you have a heavy heart. We know this from Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse, uh, Matthew, actually Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Remember Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, 
speaking of that heaviness, that stuff we're carrying that we shouldn't be. That God wants to take the place. He wants to take that heaviness, the, the heavy heart. He wants to minister to us according to His Word. He wants to strengthen us. And then He says, I will give you rest for your souls. Are you anxious this evening? Are you going through difficulties? He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, Jesus offers us so much. He wants to be a part of what we're going through, our, our heaviness, our emotions. And that's all about getting into his word. But here in verse 2 through 3, it says, uh, Treasures of the wicked profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he cast away the desire of the wicked here in Proverbs chapter 10. So God makes it clear that treasures of wickedness profit nothing in the end. It all, it's all garbage. It's all garbage. It's, it's all going to burn. But we need to be clear that it's not our personal righteousness that saves us, nor can we, as believers, access heaven by it, by our own righteousness. You see... We're not saved by our own righteousness. We're, we go to heaven by God's imputed righteousness, substitutional righteousness. See, Jesus is perfect, sinless, and his sacrifice imputed to my account. My sinful life was placed on the cross, and I get to go to heaven because of that righteousness. You see, Jesus is our treasure. The world has treasures, but profit nothing but jesus is our treasure he makes it happen the gift he's the gift that delivers from the second death so when we die as a believer it is but a sweet and festive homecoming for verse 3 here in proverbs chapter 10 it says the lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish uh, for heaven for we see here in the, also in the scriptures about heaven, the gospels, the letters, the book of revelations. It describes heaven as a beautiful wedding feast. That's what we're going to experience. Our treasure is in, in Christ is a beautiful wedding feast. But here the second part of this verse, it says, But he cast away the desire of the wicked. So remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 28, speaking of the day of judgment, because there is going to be a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 48, Jesus speaking about that day, he likes in it to a dragnet of, of some a fisherman going to go fish. And when the net is full, he said they dragged it under the shore and sat down, and they sorted the good fish into crates, and they threw away the bad ones. But here Jesus was making a graphic point, a graphic point, that there is going to be a judgment day, a, a judgment day, where he's going to separate. So the world has this idea that it, it's, it's okay, that it, it won't see judgment. But the word of God is clear that Jesus will not allow the righteous soul to famish. 
but he cast away the desire of the wicked. They will be a cast away because they desire this life. They treasure this life and his sacrifice was but nothing. So here Jesus in the Gospels was making a very graphic point when it comes to the end times. But here in verse 4 of chapter 10 of Proverbs, it says, He who is slack of hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So, in the Bible, laziness is always seen as shameful. It leaves you empty-handed. It is not a godly trait for the Christian. Laziness is not a godly trait. But on the contrast, diligence is wise. We see this in the scriptures. God wants us to be diligent. We're encouraged to be diligent. And it's wise. It produces gain. And it benefits your family. Laziness doesn't. So this could also pertain to our spiritual lives as well. I want to encourage you. Are we spiritually lazy? Because we are told in scriptures that we need, to be dis, uh, uh, we need to be diligent as Christians. We need to be in the word. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have a couple other scriptures, Hebrews 4, 11, be diligent. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, be diligent. And Romans chapter 12, verse 28. It says, he who leads, let him do so, let him or her do so with diligence. And then in Proverbs, it talks about our walk, our spiritual walk. It says in Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So it matters who we're walking with daily. And the Lord wants to walk with us daily and spend time with us. You know, to be in His Word, we can spend a little more time there. And we could spend time with wise people, but no one can compare to the wisdom of God. I need to spend time with them. So be diligent. I'm going to encourage you, church, be diligent in your spiritual per- pursuits. Be rich in the word. As Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it is encouraging us, Paul was encouraging us, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. But here in verse 5 of chapter 10, it says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Again, here, another scripture here pointing to our stewardship about laziness and procrastination. Am I lazy? Am I a procrastinator? But here in this reference here, it makes a reference to time. Time is important. How we use it, how we waste it. But we have to remember, church, uh, time is something we really don't get back. We're not going to get back the time that we use. So we need to be diligent in how we use our time as believers. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. So God is instructing us, giving a very pictorial thing, that the the, the ants are diligent. They're hard workers. 
And so, too, the Christian, we shouldn't be lazy. We shouldn't be neglecting our time or time wasters because time is short. In the area of time, church, time is running out. Time is running out. Time is running out on many of our loved ones. Jesus mentioned a day when he will pour out his wrath. We see this in John chapter 3 and verse 18. He says of the unbelievers that they stand condemned already. They're already condemned, church. They're already condemned. Time's running out. They're just a breath away. So let's consider their souls. Let's consider their souls and the short time they have and let us as a church get busy. Get busy. We need to get busy planting seeds of the gospel, watering it, and praying as Jesus directed us in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus said to his followers, and we're saying it, he's saying it to the church, the harvest is great, but the labors are few. And then he says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest field. I want to encourage you, church, let's get busy. Let's not be time wasters when it comes to praying for souls. Their life is in the balance. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up, that the Lord would equip, that the Lord would stir up, and that the Lord would send out labors into the harvest field of the people's hearts, our families. We have to labor for their souls. That last song we sang was about doing spiritual battle. But am I spiritually lazy? If I'm spiritually lazy, there ain't going to be much results. So the scriptures tell us to be diligent. Verse 6 here says, uh, Blessings are in the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. You see, reverence and righteousness, living a God-fearing life and living a righteous life always equals blessings. But here it says, violence covers the mouth of the wicked. You see, wickedness covers its true intentions. Wickedness will always cover its true intentions, but violence will manifest what's really going on inside. And we see in the world what's really going on in the hearts of people. We see the violence, the tearing down, the destruction. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. They cover their intentions. Violence covers the mouth of the wicked, but we see it in their wickedness. In wickedness. But here in verse 7 says, The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot a godly legacy. What kind of legacy are we leaving for our families? A legacy, a godly legacy in your family praises God and blesses the work that God has done in your life. I praise the Lord for my praying mother, my praying sister, my brother who was not perfect but led us to the Lord. I see my brother struggle in his Christian life. But at the end, I saw him 
as he died kneeling on the ground, to calling out to the Lord. He left that legacy. I remember that. I remember a praying mother. So the legacy we, we see here, the memory of the righteous is blessed. You're going to leave back behind you a spiritual legacy, and we should be. But that comes again with diligence. But it says here, the name of the wicked will rot. So generations will be blessed because of your testimony, of your relationship with God. But wickedness, all they have at the end was is rot. That's all we'll remember is the rotting carcass. In verse 8 through 14 here, we see a contrast of character, a contrast of character. And there should be a contrast of character when it comes to our lives as Christians. But sometimes even the unsaved can put us to shame in some of these areas. Honestly, are we living a character, a biblical character and righteousness? First, a wise heart should know how to apply the Word of God. I need to learn how to apply God's wisdom to my life. And when I don't, when I don't behave wisely, the scripture tells us that we're going to be ashamed of our character. It says a, 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 pratting, uh, a pratting is one who wa- talks excessively and, is, um, and pointlessly. A babbler, in verse 8, is a fool. And he will stand with his mouth open. But we need to pray that God would change our hearts. That we wouldn't be foolish in this world. That we would be wise in heart and not as the fools. For the wise in heart receives and applies God's commands. Here in verse 8, it's talking about applying God's wisdom to my heart. It's a blessing. But when we don't as Christians, we many times we, we act foolish. In verse 9 says here, He who walks with integrity walks securely but he who perverts his way will become known he who walks securely are you walking securely this evening if you were to die tonight would you be secure that you're going to be with the lord in eternity hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says It is appointed for man to die once, then the judgment. Do I have security when it comes to my last breath that I'm going to take? Where am I going to spend eternity? Am I wishful thinking? Because many people have this wishful thinking attitude that I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, it doesn't work that way. If we were good people and by our own merit uh, go to heaven, then Christ wouldn't have to come down and die for the sins of the world. So the only way we'll make it is by being secure, by being in Christ. But the second part here, it says, he who perverts his way will become known. You see, what we do in secret will become known. 
eventually. You know, we all battle with things secretly in here. God knows, and God has given us a conscience that we're doing wrong, that we need to get right. It's like I'm on the computer and I'm doing things and I'm watching things that I shouldn't be and the Holy Spirit is convicting me. Hey, you shouldn't be watching that. Oh, I, oh, I turned that off. And then I start dabbling in it again and, and, and the Holy Spirit keeps you're tugging on your heart. Eventually, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. You're going to get embarrassed by your family. That's God's mercy showing you, even within the family unit, you're going to be exposed. But that exposure should cause you to repent to God and ask Him to help you to change in those areas, those secret areas. And if you don't, if we don't overcome our secret sins in private, God will expose them. He will expose them. He who perverts his way will, be, will become known. So as Christians, we should be known for our unwavering faith, unwavering faith, and our unquestionable character at home, in the workplace, in our communities. How the world views our moral character is important to God. How God views your moral character is important to God. I know this for a fact from, from the Word of God. Just think of this. When God was choosing leaders to lead His church and just wiping tables and serving widows, He set a high standard. Listen to Acts chapter 4 and verse 3. I'm going to give you uh, three points from there. He, ca he called those to serve with outstanding moral character. And that should be for all Christians. We should have an outstanding moral character. Unquestionable character. Number one, having a good reputation. As Christians, we should have a good reputation. Uh, speaking, having... Uh, an honorable testimony or a good report outwardly to our moral, moral conduct. Number two, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the soul, that we should be uh, thoroughly equipped. I like the word permeated. I, I, I look up the word here, speaking of the Holy Spirit, it's permeated or, or saturated or soaked in by the Holy Spirit. And as I'm soaked by the Holy Spirit, what's taking place inwardly in the Christian should be manifested outwardly in an overflow into others. You see, God wants to do a spiritual work in each one of us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, uh, speaking of the Lord, that he would, agree, he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might with His Spirit in the inner man. You see, God wants to do an awesome work in our lives, but we got to let Him. we got to say, Lord, have your way. I have to be, have a good reputation. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You have not because you ask not, or you're asking for the wrong things. You see, He wants to do a work inwardly. Remember, Jesus also said in John chapter 7, verse 38 through 39, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, 
Out of his inner heart will flow rivers of living water. An outflow in your life as a believer. Again, moral conduct. And then he speaks of wisdom. Biblical wisdom. We need biblical wisdom, but we're only going to get biblical wisdom if we're in the Word. If we're not in the Word, we're not going to get this wisdom. This wisdom is varied in knowledge of things both human and divine. God will teach you through His Word, and both are, are acquired by preceptiveness and experience. God will do a work of, your, of His Spirit in you. You see, your moral conduct matters. My moral conduct matters as a leader. What starts in the house of God goes to the home and then goes to the community. So when God chooses his leaders, we see this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. When God is choosing leaders to lead his church, we see character matters in the area of the pastoral ministry. God expects us to be faithful, blameless, in character, that we would be vigilant, watchful to protect people from oncoming danger or spiritual deception. It speaks here of one attested. Do I show evidence that I am blameless, that I am faithful? Am I showing this moral character? And it says, we need to show evidence by our good behavior, our honorable life. In the text, it talks about being hospitable. Are we hospital, hospital, hospitable, able to teach, not a drinker, not a violent person, not uh, one who's quick-tempered and wants to strike back or to retaliate, not greedy for money, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own well, house well having his children in submission and reverence for the scripture says for if a man does not know how to rule his own house how can he take care of the house of god but it also speaks of maturity not a novice least being puffed up with pride fall into the same condemnation of the devil but the scripture says moreover he must have a good testimony among those who are outside the church. So it matters our conduct and our character inside the church, but God, what it, it matters to the non-believer how they view our moral character. And this goes for every leader. This goes for every leader. I, I really believe every Christian is a leader. You're a leader of your home or your husband. You're a wife. You're at school amongst your friends. You're a leader. But it's speaking of having a reverence, being honorable towards God and our fellow man. God expects us not to be double-tongued. Not to be a double-dribbler, speaking with forked tongue. Saying one thing here and living in a different way. But having a pure conscience. But here too, even in those in the church, it says, but let these also first be tested. How do I test character when things go wrong? When you're told no, how you act. 
That's going to be a test of your character. When something happens that you don't like and you respond, that's a testing of your character. You're put to the test. God help us. But it even goes into the wives of the leaders. It says wives must be reverent, not slanders. And that word is diabolos. Kind of sound familiar? Diabolos. Prone to slander. Do we talk bad about people? The word is accuser. And it resembles the character and nature of the devil in the area of the tongue. But the two, it, it speaks of the women that they would be temperate and that they would be faithful and that they would show themselves in every area, whether it be business, whether it be applying the scriptures or all your duties, having a good standing. And by having a good standing, you show boldness in faith in Christ. What a beautiful calling. So God is calling us out of the world. God is calling us out of the world. We shouldn't act like the world. We shouldn't behave like the world in the area of conduct and character. Pray that God, through His Word, pray that God, through His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, would transform you. Have you prayed that? I want to encourage you, church, Pray, Lord, through your word and your spirit, transform me. Transform my moral character so that it would honor and glorify you. Because God is calling us out of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, we have to look at the word of God. And if we do not see areas that need work here in the scriptures, in my life, what I'm saying is I don't need a physician. I don't need help in these areas. But we remember, remember this, all cars, even the most expensive of cars, need maintenance. And so do our hearts. We need maintenance in the inside. But we're not going to get the maintenance if we're not honest with ourselves and with God. We're not transparent. And the word of God is not speaking to our hearts. Remember in Mark chapter 2 and verse 15, when Jesus came, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he still needs to work in our lives because we are prone to sinful habits and behaviors. And the Word of God exposes that. We see this in, in James chapter 1, in verse 23 through 25. The Word of God to the believer, we need to be in it every day because the Word of God to the believer is like a mirror. It shows us what's going on in the inside. It should be a mirror to us. But if we're not in looking in the mirror, we're not going to see what needs fixing. We're not going to have that sensitive heart. But the word of God should also be to each of us as believers as a buffer or a safeguard, you know, or a bumper. You know, I'm going off the road. I'm going off course. But it's a discerner of what's going on inside. The word of God is a discerner of what's going on inside. 
And we see this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it permeates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of my heart. But if I'm not in the word, it ain't going to take place. There ain't no maintenance going on inwardly. So no inward change, no outward manifestation. See, the word of God goes beyond the surface and beyond the obvious. It penetrates the heart. So the word of God to the believer, as Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29 says, it will, it, it will consume that which is impure in my heart. But it will also refine me and bring something out that is precious. But it ain't going to take place if, it, if, it, if I'm not in the Word. But God will go to drastic measures to get my attention. Jeremiah 23, uh, 29b, it speaks of God's Word to a believer like a hammer. Sometimes my heart could get hard and God will have to hammer me to break me of sinful habits. I have to learn the hard way. What cannot be burnt will be crushed. And sometimes I need a tilling of the soil of my heart. But the word of God to the believer should be like a sword. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. To surgically remove worldly philosophies. Because we're, we have this world around us. And these philosophies come in through us by the news and media and our friends and even our family members with unbiblical viewpoints. And we say, yeah, I, I agree with that. But when the Bible says, hey, I'm supposed to be living this way, not that way. Broad is the way of destruction. And you see people following a broad way, unbiblical viewpoints, ideas, values, beliefs, a way of thinking, a way of life will creep into you if you're not into the word, in the Word. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it is very deceptive. It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through... Fil um, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of of this world and not according to Christ. So we need to pray. We need to be in the word. Let's pray that, let's pray to be in the word every day. Let's pray, let's be spiritually diligent. Let's apply it. Let's read it, let's apply it. As the scripture says in, in verse 8, that our hearts would grow wise. Our hearts would grow wise when we're in the Word. That we would walk in integrity, that we would walk securely, that we will be known by our good conduct and our character, and our mouths will be, like verse 11 says, a wellspring of life, refreshing, refreshing to others, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, 
those in our community. We need to pray that our heart reflects the love like verse 12 says here. It says that covers all sin. That covers sin. A heart that covers sin. But it's not a heart that covers sin to hide it. It's a heart that gracefully and discreetly covers it so it can restore it back to God. We don't cover sin to hide it. We cover sin discreetly and we restore people back to the Lord. It says this in Galatians 6.1, You who are spirit, if, brethren, if a man is taken in a trespass, if he's fallen, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you always also end up like he has. So we got to have grace. We have to, when somebody falls, I say, it could happen to me. When somebody stumbles, I say, it could happen to me. And I want to restore in a spirit of humility and, a, and, a, and love that covers a gentleness of re restoration. But let's pray that God would give us lips of wisdom like it says here in verse 13. And understanding hearts that we may not have to learn the hard way. Because here it talks about, uh, you know, those will be given to the rod who are devoid or lack of understanding. And here, uh, verse 13b, it says, like those in verse 14... Uh, we want to be those who stir, uh, store up biblical knowledge. So I want to be in the Word. Why? Because I don't want to learn the hard way. I want to be like one who stores up, stores up biblical knowledge, biblical wisdom, God's wisdom, God's understanding. I can't store it up if I'm not in the Word. So I want to encourage you, church, get in the Word for such a time as this. We need to pray. And as we're in the Word, as we gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding in such a time as this, this will lead to us blessing our God. It will glorify God. Like the first part, a son that, or daughter that blesses their father. You see, He will give us the power to do the work in our hearts as we yield to Him. And our lives will benefit as we're in the Word. We will gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding. He will transform our moral character. We will bless Him. It will bless our families. It will bless our church. It will bless our community, our nation, and our world. Church, lastly, let's pray for the loss. For here... For their time is near. Verse 14 says destruction. It is so close. It's just a breath away. It's so close. Judgment day is coming. Again, it's appointed for man to die once in the judgment. You know, you have all the COVID uh, death rates. 150,000 people die every 24 hours. That's 54 million a year. And it's not necessarily due to the COVID virus. The problem is sin. Sin is deadly, but there's one remedy. And we pray that God would transform hearts, God would save hearts, and God would renew our hearts and give us a hunger for His Word. I want to encourage you, church, be in the Word. Man, God has a lot to offer us. 
but we simply need to yield and give ourselves attention to the Word of God in a daily manner. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord, and I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. We thank you for this text. A lot in here, Lord, speaking of our moral character. Father, we pray, Father, that we would be wise, that we would grow, that we would be righteous, that we would walk in your ways, that we would be diligent, Lord, that we would glorify you, that we wouldn't learn the hard way, but that we would simply be yielding to the work of your Spirit in the inner man. Father, that you would give us a spiritual tune-up, so to speak, and transform our lives, our minds, our conduct and character, so that in all things we would glorify you, and that in the home, Father, that we would labor, Father, that we would be on our knees for our children, Father, for our loved ones, Father, that you would deliver them from sin and the power of bondage, Father, that you would deliver them and that you would open their eyes. Father, as you took the scales off of Paul, who was a murderer, hated Christianity, but you humbled him and he said, who are you, Lord? He wanted to know you. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would do a supernatural work here in, in the church. We pray for those hearts at home as well. Father, that you would supernaturally touch them right where they're at, that they would recognize a need for a Savior, that they would recognize a need for change, that we would recognize that we need maintenance in the inward heart, that we would recognize whether we are spiritually lazy or we're lacking in the area of diligence in laboring for our families, for praying, for growing in the grace and the knowledge of you in Bible reading and yielding to the moving of your spirit, Father, that we would be sensitive to the work of your spirit in our hearts. So, Father, we pray, Lord, for a moving of your spirit in the church, in our hearts, in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our community. Father, that what's taking place inwardly will be manifested outwardly in the home in the church, in our workplaces. And Father, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Be glorified. Bless your people. Stir them up to be in your word. Stir them up because time is short, Lord. So Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We ask that you would bless, Father, each and every home, each and every hearer here. Father, that we would not only be hearers, but doers. So have your way in our hearts and our homes, our lives. We love you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we all say, amen.